Welcome to the Movie Misfits Podcast. I'm Rudy Martinez. And I'm Charlie Marr. Welcome to another episode of the Movie Misfits Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen. Do it. Do it now. (laughs) So what are we talking about today, Charlie? Well, movies, I hope. That seems appropriate, seeing as it's called the Movie Misfits Podcast, and because in addition to being a screenwriting team, we're big, big movie fans. Thank you all for coming along with us on this journey. (laughs) (sighs) How's it going? Ah. Good. (laughs) (laughs) It's been um, it's been a challenge. Always an adventure when we do one of these. Yeah, it is. This Um, one's so different. No, no. So it's let's just get right into it. (laughs) Why not? We don't know how long we have. That's right. I know we decided we're going to we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about this whole process and today we're going to focus on mistakes. Um we're going to start out with talking about some of our favorite mistakes from movies and then we'll get into the yeah. mistakes that we have encountered and made and even mistakes that just happened that are beyond our control. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like we wanted to make bring it more to to being about our journey and and Mistakes just seem like the, the perfect segue, given everything that happened. Yeah. Um, First few episodes that we did and, and all of the technical issues that we had being novices at this whole podcast thing. Um, and the mistakes, they just, it just seemed to be compounded. Every time we'd have a mistake, then there'd be some other stuff. And no matter how many times we thought we had things figured out, something else would come along that we were just ill-prepared for. Absolutely. And, and of course, the fact that we've been going through this just like magnifies uh, I, I'm now whether my own or other people. Lately, I've been seeing mistakes everywhere. <laughs> um, and, and as you said, we, we wanted to start out with, with some movie context. Um, and it just uh, I don't know how many days ago it was now on the, one of the classic movie channels. I, I was watching uh, one of my Hitchcock favorite movies, North by Northwest. And there's a scene, and, and I guess it's quasi-famous. Somebody told me about it once a time. I probably never would have noticed it on my own. Right. Um, but they're at the Mount Rushmore Cafe, um, and just before the gunshot happens, just yeah. seconds before, there's a little kid in the background, just an extra in the scene, who <laughs> sticks his fingers in his ears. Um, <laughs> and the story apparently is they'd done so many takes and the gun was so loud that the little kid, you know, just instinctively did that. Uh, but just the fact that that made it through, you know, editing and everything else. Right. Um, I just now, I, I cannot watch that movie. With, I like, when I get to that scene, I look, I'm like focused on the little kid. <laughs> I'm not even paying attention anymore. At the That's same amazing. Time, at the same time, it doesn't change my enjoyment of that movie or its brilliance one bit. Right, um, right. In a way, I would imagine it kind of enhances it a little bit. because It actually little... probably does. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, one of my favorite, actually, I think my absolute favorite 
uh, mistake that ever happened in a movie was was in um, Midnight Cowboy or yeah, Midnight Cowboy, Midnight Cowboy with Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a classic movie, and there's a scene. So I'll set it up because I had read about this before. I'd seen the movie, and then I read about this before. So they were shooting on the streets in New York City, and they didn't have permits or anything like that. So they were just kind of guerrilla filming it. And there's a scene where Dustin Hoffman is walking across the street and a car pretty much bumps into him like it's about to run him over. And he just slams his hand on the hood of the car. And he's like, I'm walking here. Well, it turns out that that was not planned. That is not a part of the movie. And yet it is one of those quotes that is kind of a, a, it's, it's made its way into the parlance of American culture. I mean, you know, anytime you ever visit a big city or anytime somebody cuts you off, you, you know, people are going to, to spout that out. And I just thought, oh my God, that's hilarious. That's just, you know, I, it, I don't think it, it definitely added to the movie. I don't know that necessarily it would have taken away from the movie if, if it wasn't there. I just think that, um, because I don't think you would have noticed it not being there, but now that it's in there, it's so, it just made it. It made that's the- wild. I have no idea. That yeah. Yeah, and there was one other one I was going to say because you know how much I love Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Uh, he wrote A Few Good Men. It's mm-hmm. one of the, arguably one of the greatest movies of, of the latter half of the 20th century. And um, I think, it might have, was that even? That was the 20th century, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I believe so. <laughs> Let's just say it was one of the greatest movies of the last 50 years. There we go. <laughs> Um, so the writing was obviously amazing, but that scene that everybody knows, the one scene that everybody knows is the court <laughs> scene where Jack says, you can't handle the truth. That was completely made up right then and there on the spot. That is not a part of anything that was written. That was not anything that was expected. It just kind of shot out of Jack's mouth and, and it became kind of a, another one of those things that I think is, is, a, is kind of ingrained itself in American cinematic culture and history and i think we're all better for it yeah so i would love for us to have the kind of mistakes that we can point to and say yeah we didn't plan that but man how awesome was it exactly the happy accident <laughs> kind of mistake right because we haven't had any of those yet <laughs> no no and you know it really starts well we'll go we'll dig back even further but i mean these four, first four podcast episodes that we did and, and I love the people that we had on, and they were Same. so great. Absolutely wonderful. And I think they actually turned out well. Not because of us. In no, of not us. because of it. It's kind of in spite <laughs> of us and all the technical problems we ran into. Yeah. Um, I mean, right and, out the gate, yeah. it was, you know, we had Billy on with us, and Billy is such a trooper because we recorded about three quarters of the episode and then everything died on my end. <laughs> and we weren't sure that was going to be anything of that first, you know, uh, 20 minutes or so. And she said, you know what guys, let's just record it again. Yeah. And we did it again. And it was great. Um, I think we all would agree that it didn't quite have the energy that the first time we recorded it had. You can't, yeah. Because you, you we were just- You can't try to recreate something and, and expect right. it to- and so by just dumb luck and mad Google searches and stuff, I was able to recover temporary files of the lost stuff. So we were able to salvage most of the first, you know, 
part of that. And it was just, it, it was one of those things that created way more work than it needed to because we were trying to be cute with the first episode and trying to record video and audio. And instead of just using something as simple as zoom, we were, you know, out thinking ourselves. And then we did, we did the one with Michael Casey. Yeah. And I think we had, wasn't that a similar problem? We couldn't get. It took we, us forever to get, get all it, three of us. Yeah. It, for some reason we couldn't all get running and then it, so it didn't, I think we switched to zoom. Right. Um, in that one. And then that was before we had figured out that you could split audio tracks on zoom. So right. We and then we had up, one mob. Yeah. You were working with the one kind of muddled, uh, soundtrack. Right. Which it goes a long way to explaining the sound quality of episodes three and four. And then episode four, we just had no audio. None. We had a great episode with Nigel. Uh, and then his, we lost his audio. And it was yeah. like, Ugh. and then Nigel was gracious again. And he's like, well, let's do it again. And yeah. so we did. And I love that episode. Oh, and, and I, love, I, I love having Nigel. But you, I think you and I both agree that that lost episode with Nigel right, was the best, was the best one we did. And maybe the I, best one. It'll be the best one we do a thousand. Yes. <laughs> if we do a thousand episodes and we win whatever kind of podcast awards there are to, to be had, you guys <laughs> should have heard the episode we did with exactly. Nigel, the missing episode, because that one was even better. <laughs> Everybody's going to think we're full of shit at that point. Right, they are. But it was such a good episode. <laughs> it was so good. But, and, and it's... Even this one, the one that we are on right at this very moment, this is our third time trying to record it because we've had so many issues yeah. before. And even now we were supposed to start 20 minutes ago and I shot you a text. I'm like, my computer just decided that it's not going to work. Uh, my Mac just decided we had to restart because there were issues and then it restarted and it's like, yeah, we had to re-restart. And it was like, I, I, don't, I don't know what I thought for sure. My Mac was just done. It's like, I'm sick of all of your crap, Martinez. We're, we're not, we're not yeah. doing this anymore. But it really, it's just kind of the whole, it's par for the course. From the beginning yeah. of this whole thing, this adventure that we started, it's been mistakes after mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. Yeah. And, and, and not only the process that we'll talk about, but even, I mean, it's funny because accidents or mistakes are also central to our, the first script we produced. It's right. a big part of the story. And it's probably, I guess, probably should go into what that script is, just so people you go for it. have a- I'll let you take it away, because that- Well, I'll I, start it, but my memory fails me. Um, I can barely remember the one we're working on, let alone the, the one yeah. we did. Um, the original premise, which I still haven't gone back and looked, because obviously, it ended up in a different place than where we started. Such a it. different place. Um, the original, and I, and we, we had, it, my recollection is that we were talking about another idea that's still in our list of ideas, which was right. more on somebody being wrongly accused by some serial killers and um, going after them. And somehow we got we transitioned to, well, what about um, somebody who really wants to be a serial killer, <laughs> but they're just kind of a, uh, I, guess, I mean, 
inept, lovable loser, whatever right. you want to call it. Awkward. And I think that, yeah, we wanted a socially awkward, lovable loser to be a serial killer, but we had to figure out how to get him from being the doofus to being a serial killer. Yeah. And, and he's never the, stupid per se. It's just things right. don't go his way. Right. Um, so in, in his life before he's a serial killer, things don't go his way. And when he first starts to pursue that due to events, things don't go his way. Um, what I, I loved that we decided to make it. It was almost like it's a career choice. I want to become a serial killer. What do you want to be yeah. when you grow up, kid? I want to be a serial killer. And, it, <laughs> and we kind of had that happen with this guy because it's, it's something that he was like. I loved that we started out, I think we, were, we weren't sure if we were going to make it a slapstick or yeah. how we wanted to go with it. And so we were at your, we were at your place the first yeah. weekend we were doing this. And I remember we actually had a screaming match. And I can't remember now what the screaming match was about even. Anymore. I think it was because you, I was, it's just that initial premise of the guy who wants to be a serial killer, but he can't get it right. Yeah. Which we both thought was funny, but I just, I think I, my recollection at that when you were here and we were, we had the post-it notes all over the place. <laughs> so many post-it notes. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I think the, the, at least one of the screaming matches, there were because there were more than one, um, <laughs> was because it was getting too slapsticky and right. um, and we and I didn't want to let go of that because I liked all the funny ideas of how he would fail. Um, and you were like, "No, it's getting off the rails here. It's not." Yeah. I felt like it was becoming a caricature of itself. Exactly. But it, it, it wasn't funny. It was becoming stupid funny. Yes. And that really wasn't what we and wanted. It was, and so we had a, I know we remember we were yelling and screaming. And I think that's when we decided, fuck it, let's go eat. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, go eat. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had, we had, by the end of that weekend, we had a good outline of what we wanted, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think the only problem we had was we still didn't know how we wanted it to end, right? We didn't know how we wanted. Yeah, we didn't have an ending set uh, in right. terms of because we've had like a couple of different endings for this. Yeah, thing. and, and so, then there was also a point in in I think came after that weekend that you were here as we were going back and forth. I also rec uh, remember a point at which it was getting almost too dark in yeah. terms of the depth I remember of the serial killer mess. So it's like we started out and, and almost made the mistake of going too far to the silly, stupid, funny, yeah. mindless, funny, slapstick style. And then as we got into it, we almost went, the second kind of mistake that we lost we any of the, right. We could have lost any of the humor. Exactly. And we, it was like, and I guess that surprise that kind of describes the whole process. To me, it was like it was weaving yeah. the, the script on terms of what it was going to be. And, and I, remember, I remember the first time we had, the, I think we had our first draft done. Uh, and it was, and the first draft doesn't look anything like what it, the way it ended up. Uh, I remember the first draft feeling like we were onto something, but we were missing something. Um, and that's, I think, when I handed it back to you. Uh, and 
I, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there, didn't we have another screaming match in the middle of all of that after we'd had a draft done? And it was like, I think that's when we decided, or that's when we, I think we had, had to kind of have a headbutt of it's getting too dark without having any of the funny. Yeah. And I think that was your big bone of contention was that it had gotten really dark and it had really lost a lot of the funny. And we were trying to decide, do we want this thing to become just a straight up thriller or even a horror movie then? Um, and I think oh, we decided, that, well, that was one of the others because at a different point, and that was that. And, and, yeah. But there was also a point I remember where you got on me and rightfully <laughs> so, because at one point it was trying to be too many different things yes. at once. Every yeah. scene was trying to be funny and dark yeah. and, and a thriller and a whodunit yeah. and a, yep. and, and it's like they were failing um, when you try I to think, do everything, you did nothing. We, exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and even I think, once we got past all that, I mean, there were points. It, I still, I will always remember the big point of whether it was the first draft or the second draft. And you were just like, I don't like. I, oh, no, that was like the third or fourth draft. Yeah, that I don't like the ending. I don't like this. Because we I was, had a lot of fights over character development, too, about who should right. be. Yes. Important and who shouldn't be important. And, and so, so that people get an idea. So they're not sitting here like, well, you guys are oh, talking, yeah. but it's not making sense. So we have, <laughs> we have this lovable loser named Derwin, Derwin Smalls, who works in a cereal factory. Hence the title of the script, Serial Killer. Yeah, I hate puns, but yes, it works. It works. <laughs> I was able to get worked. one in there. Just one. And, and so he works in this cereal factory that is run by this absolute cad of a human being who has the position he has, not because of anything that he did to earn it, but because he married into the, he married into the family. And his wife is a debutante who really didn't want a whole lot to do with it because she's busy, you know, doing what rich, pretty people do. And this cad just kind of sees everybody who works in his factory and in the offices as his fiefdom, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and the women, particularly the pretty ones, are, you know, his to go ahead and toy with if he wants to. And there's one in particular, as there always is, is where, you know, it becomes an issue for Derwin uh, because she's nice to him and she's pretty much the only one who's nice to him. And he sees the way boss man is treating her and, and he decides, well, fuck, I'm going to handle this shit then. <laughs> <laughs> and along the way... There are several failed attempts and, and, and maybe he succeeds here or there and maybe he doesn't in other places. Uh, and then he develops relationships with some of the people along the way. And that's kind of what the whole story is about. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, my favorite thing about it is watching him come out of his shell. I don't think he loses any of that because um, there's an innocence to him, you know? Yeah. And I don't think he loses all of I don't think he loses too much of that, even yeah. in the end when he's, you know, becoming the man he wants to become. Yeah, it just happens to include wanted, being a serial killer. There's this progression that we hope comes through in the story. The events kind of, from multiple angles, not only the cad um, right. of a boss, but just everybody else at work and other yep. things in his life. And things just come to a head and he has this epiphany moment where he's like, okay, no. First of all, he starts out from the opening scene. He's always a fan. 
a huge fan of mm -hmm. serial killers. He watches all those shows, um, researches, you know, reads up on them and everything. But after his epiphany, even though he's failing in his early attempts, not necessarily by his, sometimes it's just accidents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is still, he's kind of still growing. Yeah. Because even though he's failing, he's kind of finding this is where I belong. Or yeah. he's, you know, found the thing that it's, it, it's like his life is turning around. Right. by this horrible pursuit that he's right. on. Um, and I think it works for him. Yeah. And I think the, 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 I loved that. I mean, cause it was, it was about the fourth or fifth, cause I think we wrote like six drafts of this thing. At least. Yeah. The fourth or fifth draft of it. And I was just like, and I think we still hadn't quite figured out two things. Uh, the ending. Yeah. Um, and so there is a main female character that is she is kind of being pulled in between um derwin and our cad boss um and we hadn't really i don't i didn't feel at that point like we developed her the way i wanted yeah. her to be developed and so i finally was just like dude i hate this movie <laughs> <laughs> you take it and i and i i think the only idea i had was at one point we had her being uh woman who lives alone with a cat and we swapped out the cat for a roommate That's so she could actually have conversations that weren't just one way like a pathetic single person living with a cat and that's their whole life it was an actual human being and there was interaction and there was give and take and i think that really opened her up a lot yeah. and you took that and you just ran with that and you gave it, it well, back. Well, first of all, I fought it for the longest time. You I did. did not. I was like, I don't want her to become a major character. And it, it and but once you kind of got me past that, and she did become significant because she is, in large part, between Derwin and Harold is the name of the boss. Right. Um, she is the connecting point for much of the movie. She's the one right. who's interacting with both of them while they're not interacting with each other. Um, right. And so she's, I mean, she needed to be what she, what we ultimately, I just, I don't know why I held on so long. Well, I think. No, I give think, her a cat, but I don't want to hear more about her. <laughs> <laughs> I think the big part though, and, and this was one of the things that we had a problem with was, you know, we, because she, she, you're right. She was in the center between Harold and Derwin and everything that Derwin saw of Harold was through the, the, was through this filter of her and everything Harold saw of Derwin was also through a filter of her. Yeah. Uh, and they both processed that differently. And we got to a point, and I think this was a screaming match that you and I had that I'm thinking of. You were convinced that I was trying to turn it into a fucking rom-com. And you were yes. like, no, it's not good. We're not turning it into a Lifetime movie. And, and I was uh, like, I, I mean, and I think we even toyed with the idea of them becoming serial killers together. We toyed with the idea of them, you know, um, him killing her or yeah. her killing him or all these things. Um, or even them getting romantically involved and right. taking that, you know, spelling out that part of the story. And yeah, just I do remember accusing you of wanting to turn it into a rom <laughs> 
And in all fairness to you, Charlie, I think anybody who knows me at all, especially my wife, will tell you that I love rom-coms. Well, of course. That's and why so it was it's... such a fear for me. <laughs> I mean, I had Katherine Heigl in my head as the lead already. Exactly. Like, yes, let's yes. do this. <laughs> so, I mean, along the way with this whole thing, and even after we got it done and we finished it, um, we, there were still mistakes that we were making. We, we had it done. Uh, you finished, you took what frustrated me and you fixed it and made it so that I was like, I was happy with it. Yeah. Uh, but there was still a lot of stuff that needed to be changed. So I had to start paring down a lot of the direction that was in it. And we got it to a point where it was like, okay, I think, I think we're all right. I think this is good. Yeah. Well, you had somebody read it who's right. actually in the business. Right. And they said, you've got way too much, you know, directors don't like as much as we have. Yeah. We had way too much. So you pair, you took one round of pairing it down. Yes. um, But then I think you're going to get to, so we thought we had corrected that mistake. Yes. And then we ran into one of the contests that we wanted to submit it into. So the way we, it worked was we got it down to, I think we took it down from I don't even remember how many pages. I want to say it was like one something and we got it down to like 137. I'm like, okay, this is pared down and still has a lot of the direction that I think we would want um, without being too much. Cause it was my friend, Paul, who's a writer in LA. And he said, you have to remember as a screenwriter, especially a first time screenwriter, you are not the director or the cinematographer. And those guys know what they're doing. I said, okay. So we did it, we pared it down, and then we entered it into a couple of competitions. And there was one competition that I really, really wanted to get it into. And when we went to submit it into that competition, there were big, bold directions. Your script must be 125 pages. Not a page longer, not a word longer, 120. So I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I remember sitting there. I'm like, of all of the competitions that we're going to enter this one into, this is the one that I absolutely wanted. And I had to come to you and tell you, Charlie, I'm going to have to tear it down even more. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I love the dialogue. So we're going to have well, to we cut. were like, yeah, let's, but let's start with whatever remaining directions there are. And so that we there. minimize how much of actual... Yes. You know, scenes were rude, but if we have to get there, we have to get there. Right. Because we both really want to be in this competition. Yes. And so we got it down. I remember going through this thing word by word. I'm cutting out words here, sentences there. Anything that I might have thought could possibly have been redundant, I got rid of. Anything that I thought was covered by maybe the sentence before or the sentence after I was cutting. And, and it was really a good exercise. Uh, and we got it down to 125. And as soon as I saw that page count get to 125, I was like, done. <laughs> I mean, I still had like 30 pages to go. I'm, like, I'm done. I don't care. I'm done. <laughs> Probably not the advice I would give to <laughs> screenwriters. Uh, but we did. We got it down to 125. We were able to get it into the competition we wanted to get it into. And we were able to get some feedback from them that I like value. We're going to cover in later episodes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it just seemed like no matter what we did, and I think that's kind of the process. I mean, I think we knew writing a screenplay, there was going to be mistakes because if there were no mistakes, there would be no rewrites. Yep. And so, but that 
that process where you hammered it down to, to 125, it, it was like that was, at least in our screenwriting, this first effort, that yeah. was our Midnight Cowboy or A Few Good Men right. moment. I think we <laughs> both agree that that was such a much better down version of it. Is yes. the best version of it by far. I 100% agree. I mean, actually, I went from hating this thing to you saving it and making me think, okay, it's all right, to now I love this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love so the characters. Done. I do too, because I love the characters. I love the story. I love the idea of this lovable guy doing things that are so heinous. And yet you're still like, but, but, but it's Derwin. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably so, never going to get it right and you know <laughs> you know right and he did it because he like he really does love her uh but not in a rom-com sort of way <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's why i love i love the way it ends i love the way it ends yeah. because you can have all of the touchy-feely gooey stuff and then it ends just dark yeah. i mean not dark but it ends just you remember that he's a killer I guess. Yeah. And that's how it should have been. So I think, um, I don't know. Are there any other mistakes that you need to, to beat me up about that we made? Oh. I made? <laughs> well, I, like I said, I made my share in it too. And that was the weaving thing of going back and forth, each of us. And I think that's why it's actually, it's a better, I will also, I don't think we've talked about this or said this in any of our other um, What's that? discussions about it. I also, not only do I love that movie and really hope that it gets made, yeah, but I think it's a better script than either of us could have written individually with the same I know it line. is. Oh, because, I know it is. Because of those screaming matches and those mistakes, yes. and one of us wanting to take it too far in one direction, and the other yes. one saying, no, get your ass back into, yes. to over here. I, listen, I... I'm going to go back to Aaron Sorkin. Uh, one of my favorite lines ever written was actually on a TV show that he wrote. If you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. And if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. And I think we're both smart people. And yeah. I think we both have different visions of, of what we want this, the, whatever screenplay we happen to be working on, we, what we have, what we want it to be. Yeah. What we, what we absolutely are in lockstep about is that we want it to succeed. And so we will take turns acting as the whetstone and the knife and, and, you know, there will be that abrasion to sharpen it. And yeah. it, at the end of the day, I think it gets better. Yeah. Um, and I think anybody who's listening, who's thinking about collaborating with anything, I think what it comes back to is trusting the person you're working with. And if you trust that person, you can make major mistakes and you can take the other person saying, dude, this is shit. Um, because you know that what they want is the same thing you want. And that's a great thing at the end. Yeah. So, but I think we have many more mistakes to make since we have, uh, <laughs> we have at least, I know, I know you're working on the one yeah. I'm working on one. And I didn't tell you that I started working on the second one. Oh. Um, so yeah. So you'll probably be getting, you'll be getting um, the first draft soon. You're going to be getting, a treatment for the second one soon. So in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be getting a lot yeah. shoved down on your plate. In the meantime, you can get me that first draft for yeah. the movie. I think we're both the most excited about. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and if anybody is actually interested uh, in helping us get these movies made, dude, just shoot us an email. We'll, we'll, we'll gladly, if you know somebody who can represent us, we'll gladly take the lead on that. If you uh, want to give us a million bucks to get this movie made, we'll gladly take that. <laughs> we have a little bit more experience writing and only a little bit more than we do directing and producing, but we'll give it a shot. Why not? <laughs> All right. So what are we doing next week? Oh, I, what are we doing next week? I think we're talking about, uh, oh, uh, unanswered questions, I think is the go on that. I have a lot I titled of it Asking Why. Yeah, so, I have a lot yeah. of those. So I hope you've enjoyed this. We, we really wanted to let people get into the kind of nuts and bolts of this whole process and kind of, if we say we want to take you along with us for the ride, we want you to kind of know what the hell the ride is like and then, you know, hop on and, and, and whatever. Well, I guess that's a wrap. I think that's only for when you're filming. No, it means you finish something. Besides, we're talking about movies, so there's that. Oh, fine. Well, next time I want to say it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Movie Misfits podcast. We hope you'll join us again. Tell all your friends, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform. Do it! ha <laughs> ha!